Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, December 8th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Not too bad. In the heart of exam season of my first semester returning as a student, and I think the university experience making this round of multiple choice final exams where questions are being literally recycled at like a 30% clip from quizzes and midterms we've done is not been too rough so far. It has been interesting though for one thing my prof said at the start of the year which was like we are going to throw so much knowledge at you in such a short time that you are going to feel like there's all this stuff that you don't know and you're going to slowly realize over time that you sort of knew it without knowing you know it and then as time goes by it's going to get refined and you'll actually like six months later after something was taught to you it's going to make sense and I had been having the first big wave of a bunch of oh uh this past week with the review sessions where you go back and look at all the material uh bottom to top which like we're not talking about a full university course load of material you can review these notes in 20 to 30 minutes uh, depending on how much material there is and be quite thorough about it and it's been interesting seeing it some things click together uh, when you present it to that way and something that didn't make sense three lectures in because you were so over your head like being immersed in stuff when you can take your time with it and some of the other things that were floating by so quickly make a little more sense I'm not saying I understand everything but it, it's been interesting and through like three very different reviews or like we've just had these lists of like 40 to 60 questions to go answer right there from our notes. Uh, one teacher was like, okay, you have 20 minutes and you could get a good chunk of them if you really put those 20 minutes to it. But then we still end up kind of like coming up with each answer together. Another teacher was like, you have an hour and a half, like go through it. And that was sort of quicker, uh, of course, because people had dug up the answers. But if anyone needs something explained, and of course, like, you're only you only go as slow as your weakest link and then the last one we just on the spot he started it right away like okay what's the first one and like either the class knows it or he explains it and that went really slowly for the most amount or for the fewest amount of questions but definitely like learned about things a lot more in abstract and with like the knowledge of someone who had hands-on experience not just reading a quick definition and moving on to the next one so full confession as I've like rambled here for five minutes uh the metaphysics of epistemology been on my mind a little more than sports this past week yeah uh, but it's that's a, why I have a co-host how are you doing yeah uh, I'm good man it's always a great feeling when the learning starts to fit the puzzle pieces together they all come into place and the next piece of that is the application so maybe whoever is listening to this is starting to uh, enjoy the effects of of Max's higher education uh, over the over the airwaves. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm doing well. Uh, we're deep into December here already. One of my favorite months of the year, of course. Uh, birthday season, as well as the holidays, just around the corner. And 
we're getting very close to that time where, I mean, future me is problem, but you put in the email, let's reconnect in the new year. Let's figure it out then. <laughs> it's, uh, you know me, I'm not, I'm not a massive procrastinator, but no. end, end of a year, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta push it, push it. And uh, yeah, I just am so close to the holiday break. I can taste it. It, it tastes like cranberries and stuffing and oh i can't wait and and what that means is a little bit more free time to check up on our favorite teams check up on our favorite leagues as uh as we're into the thick of the holidays as uh, we are into the thick of the nfl the nhl the nba uh the mlb winter trade talks we'll uh we'll have some signing news there later on maybe if we can fit it in at the end of the podcast it'll come up at some point i just save the notes for later the mlb is not always super relevant but what it means is that it's always available for us to talk about whenever we'd like whenever we can fit it in yeah already spent too much time on it now so i'm going to jump into football fan cave and we've got six matchups here that i've i've written down um but it's it's crunch time in the NFL season, right? Week 13. Yep. Which means we've got five weeks left. And this is where playoff teams become wildcard teams, become not playoff teams, and, and draft position starts to get settled. As a Broncos fan, you would want to be excited for your potential draft position, but and the Seattle Seahawks own your pick. So uh, you're stuck with Russell Wilson and no draft picks. And it's a great time. Uh, but there are some other teams that are much more exciting. Uh, one of which is the Cincinnati Bengals, who are coming off two massive conference wins against the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs last week. Big win for Joey Burr and, and the Bengals squad. They just seem to have Kansas City's number. And now they are playing a team that has their number uh, in, in recent memory. The Browns with a brutal first week performance from Deshaun Watson. He definitely did not look ready for football, which is understandable given uh, nearly two years off from playing a game. But uh, he, they're going to need him to relearn everything quite quickly because every game for the Cleveland Browns here is must win if they want to have any sort of shot at making the playoffs. And the Bengals are on a roll right now. So fascinating to see if if the gotcha number vibe holds true or if Cincinnati can overcome that and really solidify themselves atop the AFC North this week. Do you know roughly where the, okay, now you've lost one too many must-win game points is for the Brown? Because we were saying this last week as well. It, it's now. They have to win out, okay. essentially. Uh, if they win out, they finish the season 10 and 7. I think that's going to be the record. Uh, for the for the very last wild wild card team in the AFC, the, the it's just a little bit deeper in this conference. Whereas you might be able to squeak in on the NFC side with a with a nine and eight record. And this is week fourteen heading in. By the way, I just checked. There you go. One less week to talk about. That's really upsetting. Still five weeks left, but but week fourteen we're going into. Next game here, the Jets and the Bills. Uh, we know, of course, last time the Jets with a big upset win against Buffalo. So the Bills looking for revenge in this one. And with last two weeks with Mike White, 
the Jets offense has looked a little bit better than than it has with Zach Wilson and uh, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore seem to be unlocked uh, just a tad bit more. The Bills defense is designed to stop the passing game a little bit more. Their team is just built on the philosophy that they score early and often and then just can sit back in coverage and protect the lead. So look for Wilson and Moore to have a bit of a tougher time against this team. But what that means is the Jets can rely a little bit more on their running game, which is definitely their stronger suit on offense. Uh, Again, if they're going to win, it's going to be a similar recipe as last time. Milk the clock when they have the ball and and really let their really talented defense get after Josh Allen. And uh, the Bills somehow jump back into the one seed after a, after a win by Cincinnati over Kansas City and after Miami's loss in San Francisco. So they're still in the driver's seat to get home field advantage. And, and this is a big, big game for them in order to hold that position steady. Uh, yeah. Next one. Another divisional game, Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants, and and really the New York Giants, their season makes and breaks on last week, this week, and next week's game. They go Washington Commanders, who they tied last week. Shocking always in the NFL to get a tie, uh, but it is possible. They play the Eagles this week, big divisional game against the number one team in the, in the league, and then they play the Commanders again next week. Uh, so two times in three weeks, and the Commanders have a bye this week. So will be a tough one for the Giants coming back. And and they're going to need an upset win this week. Otherwise, they are in trouble uh, with their playoff seating, uh, going up against another divisional team in Washington. So a big week here for the New York Giants. The 49ers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go at it. 49ers got a big win against Miami last week, but they do lose Jimmy Garoppolo. They say he'll be back in time for the NFC Championship game, but you probably don't want to throw in Jimmy G uh, in his first game back after an injury right into the into the frying pan. So it likely is either going to be Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in last year's draft, Brock Purdy, or as they like to call him, uh, I can't say it on the podcast, but <laughs> the the other option there is well, would have been a free agent quarterback. Baker Mayfield was briefly available before he got claimed by the Rams, uh, who is who are playing the Raiders tonight, and we still don't know if Baker will be starting, but that could be really fun and interesting uh, storyline is if Baker gets the, the start tonight for the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Rams. That would look pretty uh, interesting. But Brock Purdy, teammates love him. They've come out all week saying that he doesn't put up with anything. He's got cojones. He's the leader of this team, uh, and and I mean, all he really has to do, like any other San Francisco quarterback, is manage the game, let the defense take over, let the running game, uh, with all of its motion and play action that, that Kyle Shanahan does so well, let that really lead you, and just don't make any mistakes. And who knows? He's playing a guy across from him who is a, a late-round draft pick who's had the greatest career of all time. I know every late round quarterback who has any sort of good game instantly always gets compared to Tom Brady, but it's just another one, another one for us to do it to. And and maybe he, this is the start of another memorable career there for, for Mr. Brock Purdy. Miami Dolphins, Los Angeles Chargers have this one circled because it is going to be a points fest and we get the Tua Herbert matchup, uh, two guys who were picked in back-to-back spots uh, when they were drafted and Herbert was instantly uh, a front runner 
uh, over Tua for the better quarterback in that situation. But Tua has jumped right back into that race with his performance this year. Helps when you have Waddle and 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 Hill as your wide receivers. But uh, Herbert's also got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who hopefully will be healthy for this week. Uh, and so looking forward to seeing that one because it should be a ton of points in that game. And that's going to do it for Football Fan Cave this week. Another exciting slate of games that uh, hopefully I'll get to watch a bit of when I'm on my way home on Sunday. Uh, once again, going to Toronto this weekend. Feels like I've gone four weeks in a row. But that's okay. Uh, I'll still do my best to keep the pulse in the game. And, and fantasy's been going well, both my leagues. Teams going into the playoffs, which start next week. So uh, just got to rest. Can't really do it in fantasy, but you got to rest the starters. Make sure everyone's fresh going into the playoffs. Where are you sitting at in your divisions? I believe I am second and third in the leagues respectively. Okay. Yeah. I don't, don't, he's, there's only four people in the second league. Uh, I don't know the actual <laughs> positions. <laughs> well, uh, first one, second out of 10. No, second out of 12. But I, my team is the lowest scoring of the playoff teams overall in the season. So I've had some lucky weeks. And then third place out of 14 in my work league. But my team is the highest scoring out of any of the teams in the league. So I've had some unlucky weeks. It's just how the way fantasy goes. Uh, you could be the number one seed and get blown out in the first round of the playoffs. It doesn't really mean anything. So uh, yeah, should be should be interesting to see how fantasy manages to break my heart this year. It's nice to have such an accurate uh, representation of the sport. It's miming after. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Basketball storylines. And I had initially put this game down as something to talk about, but I really don't have <laughs> any takeaways. Uh, it went exactly as it should have, which at least is reassuring. That's the a takeaway. Los yeah. Los Angeles Lakers played a basically a zone the entire game. Um, which is actually probably helpful for what Fred needed. He has struggled as of late, and he got some more open looks. He had 25-7 and seven in the game last night, uh, and the Raptors didn't feel like they were ever trying ridiculously hard, but had to turn it on for a couple spurts when they needed to. Lakers couldn't generate any offense. They didn't even have Russell Westbrook in the starting lineup, so they were running Schroeder, JTA, uh, Kendrick Nunn, Thomas Bryant, just... It is, it is bad, man, when when LeBron and AD aren't on the floor, and even when they are, as we've seen. They struggled to start the year. They still don't play a ton of defense, but it's been Anthony Davids basically averaging 40 and 15 for the last three weeks that has allowed them to stay within the hunt of a play-in spot. Yeah, I had this game circled on my calendar with the rise in performance from Davis, and it's hard to tell just, were the Lakers so bad before that anything halfway looking like a basketball NBA caliber team just gets the expectations so high relative to that initial low point? Or can you just never count out a team uh, that has LeBron James until you we see it? happen for our own eyes and anthony davis is playing some top 10 top 15 uh player in the nba level basketball as of late and make this team actually interesting uh the big if there is davis continuing what he does has been doing and staying healthy so too early to say for me 
but there being a ceiling on how low the raptor's floor can go. I think I said it right in terms of uh, not blowing or making too tight games that should be very winnable. Uh, something they could have done more of during that injury bug stretch for sure, but nice to see it come into play here. And I also have nothing to say about the game itself. No, didn't watch too much of it, but Raptors were in control throughout and a, a good one for them to win, stay one game above 500, not have to work your top guys too hard uh, and you regroup and hopefully you get another win over Orlando on, on Friday. Orlando, a team coming off a overtime win against the Los Angeles Clippers who are mm. load managing Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in overtime, Max. Yeah, they did. They both didn't go into the game until two minutes left in overtime, and Orlando was in the lead at that point, and they weren't able to pull off the magic. It's it's dumbfounding to me uh, how protective they are being of these players, uh, and obviously it makes sense. They've invested a lot of money into them, and you don't want them to get hurt again. But at some point, you got to win, and at some point, they have to play. Uh, and it feels like sometimes Kawhi especially is not interested in playing. Um, I was just shocked seeing it, and and Orlando gets a big win, and Paolo Bancaro makes some big free throws in the game. Yeah, it, it seems like every Kawhi quote or bit I see is like, I just want to play basketball, and the I, interesting reaction. Well, um, it doesn't seem like it, because he never plays anymore. Yeah, it like who has the control and say over that? Like ultimately, it, the Clippers medical staff, um, the coach. It's, it's I, I don't. Yeah, it's Kawhi. It he's he has complete control over the entire process. He is so valuable to that team that if he wanted to play, they would let him play through. Like they'd obviously recommend and maybe shut him down if it was serious, but. If he wants to play, he's playing. So he's purposely, maybe he's getting consultation from someone, but he's he has control over how much he's playing at this point for sure. Like in that you think, like whatever he's saying, oh, my leg feels this, my leg feels that. And they're like, all right, you're on the bench for five games. Like he could just be not saying this and then he'd be getting those yeah, minutes. He could just say he's fine and play and they'd right. play him. But I think he is taking a long view of we'll do enough to get into the playoffs. I don't have to play every night. Um, and then I'm going to do my best to turn it on when it really matters. But we even saw it before, like they were load managing guys in the playoffs if, if they were winning series and letting them go a little bit deeper just so that they could rest guys. Like it's, it's yeah, he has full control and it's frankly, I, I just curious. I wish I had even more in insight into what was happening. Yeah, his whole, maybe after he retires, we'll get like some... Oh, he's just disappearing off the grid when he yeah, retires. Th that seems much more likely than him letting someone like behind the scenes into all the politics and decision making that's gone in and around his health. Because I think a lot of NBA fans uh, would come together to support and buy that read. But we might be in a position come playoffs where we're talking about this Clippers team and saying, maybe if these guys can play basketball, this team goes all the way. 
but we really don't know. We haven't seen them play consistent minutes at any stretch of this season. So it's a complete wild card what we're going to get from these players, uh, which you don't, if it was any other player in the world, pretty much, you'd say, right, no chance. Um, I, I, this is such a wild card variable. I truly don't know what to expect. I can't believe I picked them to make the finals. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, having plenty of that with the Warriors myself, I, I don't remember if I'd pitched them to make the finals actually, but they've certainly not had the regular season I expected. Uh, how about that collapse against the Kings? Yep. Been a rough couple of games there for Golden State. They, get stripped late in that game fontecchio with the game winning dunk uh for the for the utah jazz but just leading by four points with less than 10 seconds that was the yeah. second time leaving leaving beasley is an all-time blunder to begin with that they, they could have given yeah. up a layup and then you play the free throw game but instead you, you for whatever reason you help and you leave one of the best three-point shooters in the league open and you didn't even help you faked help like if he had at least gotten in the passing lane like gotten a hand on the ball and beasley did some like crazy catch the tip and like get the shot off then you can say like okay if, if he had troubled the layup but it was a clean pass from the lay like thompson wasn't attacking the layup he wasn't in the lane uh very brain dead blunder and then that's coming off of getting lit up by our new Canadian friend that we'll add to the list. We've talked SGA, we've talked Dylan Brooks, we've talked Lou Dort, Jamal Murray, uh, Benedict Matherin, a teammate of this new star creeping onto the scene, Mr. Andrew Nemhard, uh, who was a standout player at Gonzaga. And I did talk to him in some of, uh, in some of my college recaps. So not the first time hearing his name on this podcast, but first time hearing it in an NBA setting. And he dismantled the Golden State Warriors uh, with no Tyrese Halliburton the other night for Indiana. Uh, 31 points, I believe it was. Eight rebounds uh, and, and, and 13 assists. And, and making defensive plays as well in that one just stood stiff pretty as good defense you could play on steph curry the way he's been this season uh well, we don't even want to we didn't even talk about the fake video that came out earlier this week. Uh, arguably curry's worst game of the season yeah, yeah. Um, and and nemhard just getting a, a heap of praise from rick carla carla after the game saying if they re-release the draft guide he would be top 10 he fell because he was an older prospect and, and the league usually tends to skew younger when you're drafting if you're picking between two people. Nemhard went 31, first pick of the second round. Uh, he's very obviously already crept his way into a lottery conversation if he did the redraft. And uh, he's with the minutes bump that he's received so far this season, he's a smart player. Carlisle said he was a mix of new school and old school. And he's settling in nicely. And this Pacers team, uh, tough loss to Minnesota last night, but they're right in contention. And we talked about already Halliburton, Heald, Nemhard, Duarte, right? They've got some great players at the guard position. You've got Miles Turner. You're really just looking to potentially leverage some of your assets and fill out the wings or 
you just play out the season and and eventually the youth catches up a little bit they hit their rookie walls and and you fall down the table and and hope you your lottery odds spring you into into a spot where you could pick someone pretty special to add to your team we we did say that like kind of three through seven picks in this draft project to be pretty good this year definitely above mm-hmm. average so it's not the worst spot to be in uh, if you're a team that likes to compete now and then maybe falls off later uh yeah indiana a team that's traditionally been not the most exciting brand of basketball is playing hard this year and i've definitely flipped on to them a bunch of times in this early season uh, for league pass it's a good problem to have where either your guys are all going to get valuable minutes and valuable experience not tanking experience uh, or you're going to have the opportunity to find one more tool to a roster that's bolstered if i'm in the gm seat i'd let it go the natural process either way Um, either this team is almost good enough to compete in this conference and the way you get to the next level uh, when you have a team of with so little experience is to let them feel their way around that process and then maybe you look to free agency or a trade to bolster that one piece or they're not at that level yet and you have a good shot at finding it in the draft last game to talk about here lucas still owns the suns with that win and it played kind of into okay changing the theme of this what a week for chris paul <laughs> I've heard like one I've heard him respond to allegations, but not directly the allegations. So themselves. obviously the the allegations that Kanye West put forward that Chris Paul did uh have intimate relations with Kim Kardashian kicked off his week. Uh definitely not great for him. Then they get sunned by their owner of the franchise, Luka Doncic, and then they get dismantled. And he yeah. got put in jail by Derek White and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and this Boston Celtics team who, oh my God, Max, they're phenomenal. They're unbelievable. And we will definitely take our time to praise them on a future podcast, averaging 120 points per game. Their defense is 12th ranked right now, and it is way better than that and they're having got robert williams back and i I could go on and on about that whole thing but rough week for phoenix they started at number one seed in the west now if you take a look the new orleans pelicans at the top of that chart how did Uh, that happen (laughs) oh man that's a fun team in its own right wow so many great teams to watch in the nba this year it's been really really fun season and uh and yikes, Suns fans. I mean, they, they're Devin Booker's awesome. They're still really consistent. They'll get their wins, but you got to start looking about maybe what you're going to do with Chris Paul and how you can fill out some of the very obvious holes that still exist in this team. DeAndre Ayton, another name to watch a little as we get closer to that January date, which would allow the Suns to trade him. Uh, They chose to not let him walk to the Pacers and match that salary. Uh, And I don't know how you feel about that if you're a Suns or Pacers fan at this moment, as Mm. it's been a magician's act so far this season, which is pretty on par with his career. When he is dominant, when he is present, when he is making his effect known on the game, uh, his physique lets him be nearly unstoppable. 
and against a team like the Celtics, you would see the potential for that to have its full effect. And then other times he's either turning the ball over or not present whatsoever uh, within the game. And there is really a Spider-Man memes worth of finger pointing to be done at who exactly is it responsible? Is it the coach for not drawing up enough plays? Is it Chris Paul or whoever is playing the point guard role for not getting him engaged in the offense? Is it him himself for not um, just making his presence more known on the court and forcing the team to get him more involved? Uh, and if it's the last one, is that a fixable problem you can address in a trade? Uh, I think if, I don't know what the value is. I mean, the uh, Spurs having two first round picks as an asking price for Jacob Pertle right now um, makes you wonder what the Suns would look at that and then ask for in return for Aiton. So I don't know what something substantial is in their eyes. This, go, this Gobert trade just ruined market value <laughs> for the rest of time. <laughs> Maybe there will be like a crash at some point and we see one trade like spark a whole bunch. But yeah. Well, it's going to be Pirtle. Pirtle's going to be the crash. Yeah. And he's going <laughs> to go for or one. some Utah trade where they trade like, I don't know. It's not going to be Ainge. Ainge isn't going to be the one to lower his price. Uh, Crazy. I mean, Pirtle does probably go for one first round pick. And, and this is an ask to get to the negotiating phase, but which you can give up one pick and live with the results normally like okay we didn't get to draft that year move on uh we just did it as raptors fans maybe we'll have to do it again anyway we're running low on time um it was a great week for me watching uh what happened to the suns <laughs> yeah taking it all in and celtics fans are hitting that point of like yeah we're cocky what are you gonna do about it oh, um, they're so good they're way too good just like Derek White and uh, Malcolm Brogdon coming off the benches. Just come on. And add to that, if they weren't insufferable enough, Boston fans also have the number one team in the National Hockey League, uh... the Bruins, who have lost three times in regulation in 25 games. Terrifying. Uh, but hot on their heels. The Toronto Maple Leafs that still have a point now in twelve consecutive games. Yep, and and nine and nine zero oh and three in that stretch. I think just one game without a point in the last fifteen or eighteen. So you take them, you collect them, and you put them in the bank for when you need them later. Especially again, like we already talked about with the defensive issues, we'll get there in a sec. But I think it's about that time where the team has played well enough that they have earned. A significant yeah. chunk of time on the podcast. The clown makeup's coming on. Uh, here we go. Uh, Mitch Marner, twenty game point streak now, with with a primary assist on on Tavares's goal early against the Dallas Stars uh, the other night, and Matt Murray with the greatest goaltending performance in the last twenty years. Wow! At least statistically, the greatest saved goals above expected. Uh, in a shutout in the last 20 years from Matt Murray. Uh, Dallas Stars had an expected goals of around six in that game, and he gave up zero. He played really well. The defense was shaky 
of course, you had Victor Mete now with an injury. So we had newly traded, acquired Connor Timmons, uh, who could not stay on his feet <laughs> during the first period. Uh, but yeah, it's it's rough. I think Brody's set to come back tonight against the Kings, which is perfect timing because the next person on the Leafs depth chart uh, was Phil Kral, who's hurt. And after that, we've got Miko Kokkonen coming all the way from Finland, uh, just arrived in the AHL recently. And so uh, after that, David Ayers <laughs> would have been next on the depth chart from goalie to defense. You just throw him in there, the Zamboni driver. <laughs> Crikey. Yeah, it's um, and somehow, and somehow, they're third in the Eastern Conference. Fundamentally, nothing's changed on how I feel about feeling about the Leafs this time of year, um, kind of rain or shine. Um, but they tug at the hard strings and strings, and they creep up with their incessantness there. And is. I think Campbell not having a great start to the season. I haven't fought yeah. So we look back in confidence and don't overpay for a goalie, especially when you've already sunk a lot of capital into your forward core. Um, rings as generally good advice followed here by Leafs management and also the idea that a goalie who had a really high point and then was on one of the worst teams in the league for several years probably did not show the level of hockey he's capable of playing on said really bad team. Uh, yeah. Also ringing generally true and striking feelings of appreciation from us. So well done to Leafs management there so far. It's been a really weird year. I think only three of the top 10 goalies by salary are in the top 10 in save percentage. So, wow. Yeah. Like some, uh, Vasilevsky, Hellebuck. Those would be two, but then you've got your Bobrovsky, Markstrom, uh, Campbell, uh, Quick. Uh, who else can I throw in there? Just, yeah, some big money deals for goalies not going the way that teams were hoping. Yeah, so. I mean, some of those names don't shock me, like uh, Bobrovsky, Quick, or getting on there. It, mm -hmm. It's more, uh, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, well, Boston. Campbell and Markstrom, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah uh, Allmark, Big. Knight has good numbers. I don't know how many games he's played. Uh, Varlamov playing well. And yeah. Sorokin, sheesh. Is that New York still, the Islanders? Yep. Yeah, so that's why they just yeah, yeah. pump out goalie seasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Vasilevsky actually 23rd, so he's not yes. in the top 10. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Craziness. Crazy so far this season. And they're the, it, you got to be loving the parody if you're, in, if you're the NHL. Even teams like Seattle have intriguing storylines. Shane Wright scoring his first goal of his career against the Canadians who passed on him with the number one pick. Mm -hmm. Uh a little poetic, but the Canadians end up winning that game. So Seattle, welcome to the club of teams who have important goals by young players, get wiped away by losses. Moving along, other teams, uh, even the Buffalo Sabres, are fun to watch this year, Max, because of Hart yes. Trophy frontrunner, Tage Thompson, who yeah. I honestly had not heard of him before the start of this season. And Austin Matthews already mentioned, had had done interviews where he said, look out for this kid, but from what I have read, he is someone who 
has all of the physical gifts to be an excellent player and really bought in, focused on reshaping the way his body was. So not trying to be that power forward and more focus on like the lean muscle mass, the extra coordination, play into the skills that he already was great at and enhance those. And he's turned into a scoring machine. He had five goals last night against Columbus, four in the first period. He's just cooking with straight fish grease right now. Uh, and 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 the Buffalo Sabres, despite that, have continued to be mediocre, but they got rid of Jack Eichel and they got some great assets for that. And they're looking to build young. And Tage Thompson is a valuable find for them to get. Uh, and, and just hitting on a player like that can can definitely change your franchise and allows you to build on some of the other stuff where you've done great picks in the, in the top of the draft with, with Darlene, right. Uh, and, and Owen power on the way as well. 38 goals and 30 points in his last NHL season. Surely, certainly not pedestrian in the company of just three or four names, uh, records that go to like twenties, eighties, uh, eras of hockey being touched on in last night's game, uh, by Thompson. Um, I don't know. Some teams just break your understanding of uh management rebuilding and gm fundamentals and the sabers one of those where for for a while you go surely this is the year surely with this many assets surely with this signing surely with this draft pick and when you run out of Shirley's, you hold your breath wait and see and stop um coming to conclusions until you see results. And that's the permanent state I, along with Buffalo Sabres fans, are in, I believe. But who knows? Maybe you're always just that one signing away. Yeah. And that's a good spot to leave it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, and, and we'll chat on Sunday when we're back. Yes, sir. Uh, saying it before anyone else gets to say it, a happy early birthday to my co-host and the Sports Next Door signing out. <laughs>